ever had the feeling you're destined to do something big, but you weren't sure what, because maybe it has never existed yet? You are in the right place. This is the Pagan Monastery Podcast, and I'm your host, Danica Boyce. We know by now what we don't want, so let's start building the traditions, the rituals, and the sacred places that we do want. I believe that with clarity of purpose and love, we can do absolutely anything together. On this podcast, you'll find heaps of inspiration for touching into your innately abundant nature while you follow and help create the unfolding story of how, together, we established the first pagan monastery in Europe. It's coming. We deserve it. So let's get building. Welcome to the Pagan Monastery Podcast. I'm Danica Boyce. And today I have a story for you about a trip that I took recently to Italy and back, and some of the revelations that came through to me in that time. You could call them downloads or insights. I often feel strange about using the word download because I feel like the information that comes to me through divinity comes to me mostly through my body and my own experiences and my own preferences. So um, as much as I like to use that word because it feels like it comes from the divine, I do feel a bit like it has a, a slight disconnect from what I really mean when I say it, which is that we are all conduits for the divine and divine energy doesn't necessarily come from above and have to come down to us. It often feels more like it comes up from the earth. So maybe maybe I received some uploads <laughs> on this trip that I took and I really want to share them with you. And they have a lot of relevance to my personal life and to my business life. And I trust that and I hope that they will have resonance for you in terms of the modeling that I'm doing for living my life really bravely and courageously and honestly. And so that is the spirit in which I'm telling this story, because I've been feeling a bit of a disconnect between my professional life and my personal life increasingly over the last year or so. And I actually was just revisiting an experience that I had last summer. I was saying aloud a prayer to the gods in general, and I was asking to have assistance in integrating my personal and professional life because I feel like there is so much, and I'm sure many of you feel this way, especially during the pandemic, I feel like there's so much going on in my life in a digital sense and online but there is a sense of that not necessarily reflecting what's going on in my personal life a lot of the time. We've been in isolation and my partner and I moved to a different country, so we're not constantly surrounded by people and activity. So there's this strange kind of disembodiment that goes on when you engage in an online community and you spend a lot of your time and energy there that I think people aren't always really talking about and maybe just because we don't totally know what to do about it. But I was making that prayer. I was asking that my personal and my professional life could be better integrated and to have some insight into how to do that. And I spoke that prayer out loud. And immediately afterwards, there was a really loud and dramatic thunder crack in the sky. And uh, if you don't know this about me, you will soon because I'll be recording an episode in a couple of days about thunder gods and inviting you to participate 
in a ritual dedicated to the thunder god, who in northern countries is often called Thor. So I have a special relationship with this god. And nonetheless, it was still very surprising to uh, receive such a vocal and specific response to this prayer. And it was encouraging in the moment. And I feel like this moment right now is another step in that process of understanding better what business and personal life integration can mean when I have an online business. So this episode is about telling you really directly in a way that I hope will be liberating for everyone involved, how I'm feeling about work and how I want things to change, how I am actively changing things in this business that I run, which is actually called Fair Folk Media. That's what it's registered as in Canada. And as you know, as a listener to this podcast, there is a transformation going on already on a large scale. I've been podcasting and teaching online and doing all of this work for many years. And now I am transitioning into a moment of making a physical space and building community and momentum around a pagan monastery very specifically. And so it makes a lot of sense that other shifts would occur around that to allow greater focus and streamlinedness <laughs> toward the pagan monastery. And so that's I, this is a story of how some of those changes are coming about, how those shapes are changing. So I have been feeling a bit off, as I said, about business and life and just feeling kind of disconnected from my calling and I'm showing up, or I have been showing up in the same kinds of ways that I had been previously, but I found that the online teaching was not paying back to me in the same way that it once had. I was finishing teaching courses or programs, feeling drained and not as inspired as I would like to. And then, of course, because I'm the marketing team for my business as well, that leaves me feeling like I'm in dishonesty when I'm promoting the things that I want to promote because I want to say I'm really excited about this. But sometimes the feeling is not pure excitement. Sometimes it's anticipation of exhaustion or worry that if I'm not excited about the things I'm making that other people won't receive as much from them. I mean, there's a lot going on in that space that can cause a lot of anxiety. And I've been doing my best to show up professionally and honestly. But on this trip that I took recently, another layer of awareness and ability to articulate was opened up to me. And I'm very much looking forward to being able to share that with you because I'm a person who really values honesty and integrity. But of course, we are humans made up of networks and communities and various influences. So even when we have a really strong connection to our own intuition, we don't always have the power to discern with words in isolation what that means or how to tell other people about it or what kinds of actions might come from it. Sometimes it's just a vague sense that we have to put on hold for a while and continue being curious about and observing until it becomes much more clear what can be done about it and what can be said about it. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But man, is it a wonderful feeling when we are able to put it into words and into action, finally, after 
some time of looking at this vague feeling of no <laughs> and of something is off. And yeah, it's such a relief to be able to move into that space of speaking and speaking into action. So there were a couple of factors that led to my decision to travel to Italy last week. I was there for two weeks and I had been feeling that it was time to get out of Iceland for a while to go somewhere warmer. My body is not a big fan of cold winters and this one was extra cold and extra long and extra restrictive. So not as much outside walking as I would like, not as much comfort and ease. And I just had this sense that there was something out there for me to learn specifically about the pagan monastery. And as I was understanding that my body doesn't love cold temperatures, and most of the research that I've done in paganism has been in northern countries and northern traditions, I found myself in kind of a tight spot where I had to give myself permission to start looking into what warmer places are like <laughs> and learning a little bit more about them and uh, considering leaving in a warmer place and considering establishing this pagan monastery in a place that is at least warmer and more verdant than Iceland. And I decided that the first step was to take a look and go visit one of the more southern European locations that I'd always been curious about, but didn't really know where to start with. And I received many suggestions of beautiful, inspiring places to go, so many monastic ruins and castles and villages and unbelievable mountain landscapes. You name it, there is inspiration absolutely everywhere to be found, and sometimes a wealth of options can be or can feel a bit like a curse, because you just don't know what to do. <laughs> so I surrendered into, I know I want to travel somewhere warmer for a while this spring. And then I put the project down for a while because nothing immediately presented itself. And I knew that I needed a break from my conventional work of teaching online and marketing my teaching courses and mentorship. So one day I decided to take the first step within that period of decision about where I might travel to do some research and for where I want to live and where I want to establish this monastery with others. And I took a day off. <laughs> I decided I needed a break from working. I opened Pinterest and within a few images, looking through these images that suited the ones I've already pinned to the board, you know how Pinterest algorithm starts sending you things it thinks you might like. And I found this absolutely stunning photo of a room that looked like it was from the Middle Ages with dark wood, traditional furniture, hand-woven coverlet on the bed in a traditional pattern. And it was, it was in a cave. <laughs> the, the walls looked like uh, tough stone. They had little candle coves holding light. It just looked like stepping back in time. And I thought, this is, this is very much what I would like the living spaces in this pagan monastery to look like. And so I followed the link to see what this image represented and where it was. 
And I actually discovered that it's not some historical interior design photo or journalistic photo from the 70s in Greece or something remote and inaccessible like that. I discovered that it is a hotel room created by a company, which was originally just a restoration project called Sextantio, and that this room was in fact a cave renovated into a living space in a place called Matera in Italy. And it was one of several of these renovated cave dwellings. And this town itself had a really interesting history as well. It was actually entirely abandoned in the 80s by force by the government because the living conditions in this town of Matera, with hundreds of people living in caves, were so abysmal and the government didn't want to support people in place. So they, they evacuated them from this region, which was once called the shame of Italy. And since then, in the early 2000s, this Sextantio initiative purchased dozens of these caves that had been traditional housing for people in that area for 9,000 years. People say that this town, Matera, is the third oldest in the world. This city on a beautiful hill surrounded by a valley full of trees and cows and like wild celery and stone-hewn churches in holes in the mountain. And of course, pagan temples before that this project purchased, with the assistance of UNESCO and I think the Italian government as well, several of these properties and brought them back to their glory days, used only traditional furniture, locally made in a traditional style, and if the furniture required repairs, they used local woods and local craftspeople to do it, local women weaving blankets in the traditional style, etc. And these rooms are like open-air museums, which is exactly one of the original inspiring visions that I had for this pagan monastery was having visited a lot of open-air museums. I have a huge passion for open-air museums, and those are like a folkloric historical village, which has been reconstructed on site, um, sometimes with buildings from other regions brought in to demonstrate other regional building styles, but vernacular buildings restored to their original state with people allowed to come visit and view how rural and sometimes urban people lived in different historical eras in the European countryside. These are some of my favorite places on earth. And I was meditating one day and I realized, you know, what if we could live in one of these places? What if this was a possibility all of the time? Because when I go into these places, I feel like I just want to stay forever and I want to touch things and I want to live in them and I want to stand in the kitchen and have the daylight that comes through the window and lights up the beautifully knotted cotton curtains. I want that light to be part of my daily life and I want those material objects to be a part of my daily life and I want to create new material objects like that and new experiences in that context. And so that was the material inspiration for this pagan monastery. That's what I wanted to look and feel and also smell like. There's something about wood smoke that makes probably every human just feel profoundly at home. I wanted that for us. I wanted us to be able to live there and to live a pagan spiritual embedded life there that involves material world not just being a prop, but also a sacred, very intentional 
part of life every day. So when I discovered that this place existed and that there was another location of this company, they actually, the first location was in a place called Abruzzo, the region of Abruzzo, in a small mountain village called Santo Stefano di Sassanio. I decided that that is where I would go. I decided to travel to Matera and to Santo Stefano and stay in these hotels because I wanted to see how they had done it, how they had taken these places that had been left without love, without inhabitation, and how they kept the integrity of the original aesthetic intention and care for material life and craft, how they maintained that while also welcoming people to come and stay and live in those spaces for a time, and how they fed them and how they kept them warm. Because we know that living in a cave or in a medieval stone dwelling, or at least we've been told, <laughs> is not necessarily a comfortable and warm and well-nourished feeling experience. But I discovered that, yes, of course, it can be. And another thing that came through for me in the process of making this decision was, you know, every single day that I was making this plan to travel somewhere warmer and to go to Italy to stay in a luxury hotel with a unique concept, every day I had to make a decision that my time and my money are worth this experience, are worth the wisdom and the knowledge and the insight that I'll gain from going to these places, because it is not always easy to explain to other people why I am doing this. And I haven't had a very large income in the last few months because I've been transitioning my business. I haven't been able to focus as much on teaching. And as you've heard a few minutes ago, I don't want to. So I made the choice. I convinced myself again and again, because my soul was saying 100% yes. Like as soon as I saw this image, I knew, okay, that's where I'm going. I knew there was something. I knew there was a step available to me, but I needed to become open to inspiration in order to find it. And so within five days of finding this image, discovering this hotel chain, I was on a plane flying into Naples. And the incredible thing actually about specifically Naples, where, oh my God, I could talk for hours about seeing all of the frescoes from Pompeii in the archaeological museum there. And there's a scale model of Pompeii as well that is totally mind-blowing. I had no idea that this Pompeii ruin is is a whole city. It's huge. And they've taken all of these wall paintings and brought them into a museum, which is another astoundingly large and kind of strange task to undertake, almost like a disembodied open-air museum at that point. But it was just so encouraging to see how much, just a vast amount of material for paganism exists in Italy. is <laughs> just everywhere. It's like laying around. There's just, there's ruins on the left and on the right. And if you're, if you're someone who's never traveled to Italy before, it can be astounding how much material there is for reconstructing the past and how much of the past is still living in modern devotional practices in 
Naples at least, there's a shrine on every single corner. And I know that before Christianity came, those shrines were dedicated to the pagan gods. And that love is still there. In fact, I felt it when I was flying in on the plane. I had this kind of overwhelmed moment where I saw how big and complex this city is and how many layers of history you can see, even just from above. I felt a little overwhelmed. And then I remembered I had this beautiful self-parenting kind of moment where I thought, if there's this many people, if there's this much material, then there's also that much love. And that's exactly what I found when I landed. I just, I saw evidence of care and devotion and a sense of tending the sacred in the everyday, just everywhere I went in a way that I've never seen in any other country. It was absolutely inspiring. So just to put a pin in, in that, like the sense of this place, Pompeii, that has so many images. And then, of course, we know the classical writing tradition, just being reminded that there are entire books written about paganism by pagans <laughs> existing in Latin and in Greek. And this is something that we can, we can draw and we can use. Sometimes travel for me is also just being reminded that there is so much of everything and regardless of what your interest is or your intention, what you're building, there is enough material. And, and it was just a, a lovely, lovely bath in that epic history, much beyond what I could absorb in the few days that I was in that city specifically. So back to the original insight for the trip, just a general lesson that I learned while I was planning the trip, before I even stepped on the plane, I had so many opportunities to unlearn the habit that I had from childhood to diminish my own desire for travel, to try to convince myself that I should do things more cheaply, um, to shame myself for spending money that I quote unquote don't have to do something that is quote unquote luxurious. I'm sure if you're someone who resonates with this, you it's, it's pinging some bells for you right now. I grew up with a family that loved camping. And also I, there was a flip side to the loving camping. And it was the fact that that was all we ever did. So if we traveled, I can remember maybe four times in my childhood that we stayed in a hotel because hotels were too fancy, too expensive. We were always on a budget. I still don't know, growing up as I am, how much money my parents had when I was younger, because as far as they told us, we were on a very tight budget and know that they had five children. So that is something to contend with. But whatever my parents did or didn't tell me, I definitely got the impression that spending money on travel is wasteful and that one should travel in the cheapest way possible. And in my experience, the cheaper I travel, the more likely I am to find myself in uncomfortable or unsafe or emergency-like situations, which in the end become much more expensive. And beyond that, I'm someone who feels very strongly the desire to travel. And every time I've given myself the gift of travel that has felt really strongly aligned for me, my life has transformed for the better. I do some of my very best <laughs> objective meta thinking on airplanes. 
being in the sky, being between places. I find it really easy to step out of the ordinary circumstances of my life and just listen to the embodied voice that comes up from below that's telling me what's really true beyond the circumstances of my daily life and the pressures of community and expectation and just what one has been doing or what one has thought was possible before. So when I landed in Naples, one of the first things I noticed once I was in a warmer climate, I didn't have to wear a big winter coat. I wasn't speeding from one outdoor space to another to get to a location to get something done. I was walking for pleasure to explore the city and I had no particular timeline. I was just there to be there and to listen to inspiration and to learn from the landscape and from what's there. And the first thing that struck me and struck me many times in the first few days that I was in Italy in general was the fact that everywhere I went, I felt compelled to speed walk. And partly because of this this anxiety about being cold or this absolute necessity. You can't stand around outside when it's winter in the north. And it's winter in the north most of the time. So I realized that I'd actually locked into my sort of body habit the sense of ducking and running, <laughs> which is like on the surface that makes sense because that was what's necessary. But on a lifelong kind of scale and when we're thinking about what kind of habits we're making for who we are and how we want to behave daily, ducking and running is not the vibe I want to be in. And so every 10 minutes, I got to remind myself, there's no hurry. It's safe to be outside. You can relax. Just be here. That was the moment where I realized that I was in a pattern of being and feeling closed and speed walking through my life, which is not ideal. I would much, much prefer being open and available to the kinds of insights that are going to allow me to share myself best with everything around me instead of the closed body language of trying to get from one safe space to another. It's like the difference between survival and flourishing. And I've often felt that way when it comes to climates. <laughs> I'm definitely a sensitive, thin-skinned person with temperature, a bit of a lizard, I need to lay in the sun literally directly in order to get warm or sit in front of a fire. So it was just such a gift to give myself that it's hard to explain, but you know when you give yourself a gift and the relief that comes from just letting yourself relax in that moment, just like when I was planning it, even just for a day, it lasts beyond. It lasts way beyond that one moment because it is a gesture that says, I trust my instincts. I trust my higher self, my deeper self to know where I'm going beyond what my brain says is necessary just to get by. Because just getting by is not the vibe anymore. Sometimes it's just by seeing the example or experiencing the example of relief of oh my God, I didn't even know this level of relaxation or abundance or joy was possible. That's one of the more lovely and gentle ways that we can learn um, beyond just 
you know, I don't like this and I don't want this anymore. I think that's the moment when we open up to a new experience and we experiment with a few of them <laughs> where we get the chance to see, and this can come from watching other people living their lives as well. Like I love to see other women and other pagans succeeding and doing things that I had never thought about or experiencing levels of ease in their lives that I, I'd never heard of before. <laughs> This is one of the nicest ways to learn is through that feeling of relief and even sometimes just imagining what would feel like a relief to you can bring the same kind of insight if you're not able to take a break in that moment or travel to another place or give yourself the gift of, of that open space or that new experience. So I noticed by feeling so relaxed and noticing my reflex to resist the relaxation or to not believe in it, that there was more relaxation possible for me and that it is okay and entirely available to me to live somewhere warmer than Iceland or Canada. <laughs> so that's one of the brave and honest insights that I had through that trip was that I was given the gift of clarity about the fact that my partner and I We'll be moving away from Iceland in the middle of the summer. We won't be renewing our lease with our landlord. Of course, we're still open to opportunities and I don't need to necessarily leave the country forever, but I don't want to spend another winter here. And that was really hard to admit because we've invested a lot of time and energy and love and effort into being in Iceland, but not all is lost. We don't know exactly why divinity, at least I don't know exactly why divinity tells me to do things, <laughs> but it definitely told me to move to Iceland and I came here and I've received a great deal from it and now it feels complete and it feels like it's time to allow myself to live somewhere more suitable and I'm open to finding out where that is. I want to share the main insight that I had regarding my business with you. And I want to do it in the frame of one of the rooms that I stayed in. So this was the place in Santo Stefano di Sassanio, which is a medieval village on a mountain. So in this medieval village, I was in a really special suite, an apartment that in the 17th century belonged to an alchemist, and it had alchemical symbols on the door. And of course, the door to both of the rooms that I stayed in with this hotel chain were opened with a iron key of the old style, you know, with the two teeth. But the interesting thing about this alchemist room is partly that when I was in this place, I was undergoing a bit of a death and rebirth cycle with and without my intention. Because on the way from Sardinia where I was visiting a friend, Jen Campus, who I will have on the podcast in a couple of days to talk about Thor. When I was visiting her, I took a ferry from Sardinia to Rome in order to pick up a rental car at the Rome airport and drive to Abruzzo to get to this village. The details are not that important, but while I was en route <laughs> to Rome and to Abruzzo, my biggest, most complicated day of travel involving a lot of public transit, I became extremely ill. 
and I will spare you the grisly details, but I was definitely vomiting all over Rome on the way to the airport and was eventually even taken to the hospital um, at my request because I was just so, so sick. And then miraculously, after about eight hours, recovered in the emergency room of the hospital in Rome, um, where I know no one. <laughs> it was a very dramatic day. I recovered enough to prevent myself from being fully checked into the hospital, got myself in a cab, got back to the Rome airport where I'd been picked up in the first place, picked up my rental car, drove four hours in the dark to get to Abruzzo, checked into my amazing medieval alchemist room and dropped everything. And basically I, I spent two days in the bath. I was There was a beautiful bathtub, thank goodness. I had booked a bathtub because I know I love baths and I was really wanting to have a wonderful experience of this place. So I chose the fanciest room that has a bathtub looking out over an unreal mountain top from a balcony, you know, like a full door-sized window. And I just, I was so exhausted after that adventure of being hospitalized in Rome and then driving across the country. Anyway, I arrived in Abruzzo and I had been planning to do a bunch of hiking in these amazing mountains all around, which I was utterly unable to do because I was just totally beat after being extremely ill and worrying for a couple of hours if I was going to die in Rome with no with no friends or family around. I'm very grateful that didn't happen. And my scrape with what felt like death led me to this place, to this incredible actual alchemist's room to do something that felt very alchemical, to dissolve. And I didn't come there with the intention to dissolve my life and put it back together in a new form. But that is what I was invited to do because of that very dramatic experience that gave me a sense of renewed perspective and renewed priority. And so while I was in this room, gazing out over this this hilltop that had been, you know, shorn short by sheep for thousands of years. And this incredible reconstruction of the historical state of this, this space, this apartment, I was taking a class online with my business coach. And this woman, Aislinn Walton, has been my business coach off and on for two years, as long as I've had an online business. And I'm in this beautiful container right now called Catalyst with several other women business owners, most of whom are coaches and online teachers. And she asked us a question that I think had an unintended response in me. Aislinn was talking to us about how we often feel pressure to succeed in our businesses right away. We feel hurried, like we have to rush to success, especially when, you know, we see other people having successful businesses really quickly. And I'm one of those people. It really kind of skyrocketed and that can set unreasonable expectations for success and for income and a lot of unnecessary pressure as a result. So she was counseling the group to consider how much more confident and relaxed we would feel now if we knew that we were going to be coaching and teaching online or doing the same thing that we do now for the next 20 years. How would that woman look back at this moment in time, probably with a lot more grace and a lot more patience? But my gut response to that prompt was basically, 
I so do not want to be doing this in 20 years. Um, and it was a beautiful gift, but also once I knew that clearly in my body and I said it out loud to myself and, you know, my partner on the phone and my friends, I couldn't go back to just the same old thing. I had to go through this experience of, of saying to myself, I no longer, at least for some period of time, I no longer wish to teach and coach online. I wish to stop doing that and I'm going to do other things. I'm going to start the Pagan Monastery and I would very much like to write a book. I've actually been trying to write a book called Abundance Paganism, which is the name of the course that I've been teaching over the last two years, Synthesizing Abundance Mindset and Pagan Revival. I just want to write that book and I just want to start the Pagan Monastery and I want to let my teaching online practice fall away. I realized that there has been for a while a growing disconnect around teaching and mentorship in my life, a feeling of unease around it, and I'm just feeling called to do something a lot more meta, a lot more philosophical, a lot more like facilitating and vision holding and building more than on the ground hand holding and um, relationship building through the internet specifically. I definitely just want to have more in-person contact. I'd like to be involved in retreats and conferences and building in-person material structures of business and community as opposed to the online ones. And there's nothing wrong with online teaching at all. In fact, it can be and is an incredibly rewarding and also profitable venture that I highly recommend to anyone who loves teaching. But I also, I have to admit to myself that as much as I like teaching and I'm very good at teaching and I'm trained as a teacher and people have been telling me my whole life, oh man, you're such a great teacher or you'd be such a great teacher. I don't love teaching. I just don't. And saying that out loud for me is a very powerful thing, partly because it pulls at the root of my entire business. But then as I've admitted that to myself, a lot of memories come back to me of other times when I've made a choice away from building philosophy, building vision, and writing, specifically writing, in favor of teaching, because it's the safe choice, right? So let's, let's roll back to 2013. I was doing stand-up comedy and I was writing. I had this really strong creative practice, but I wasn't able to support myself doing it. And so I was working at a coffee shop. I didn't have enough to survive. I really needed to go to the dentist and just couldn't. It was getting really to be a crisis. And I was living in one of the most expensive cities in Canada. It was not good. So I thought, you know, I could get into teaching school. I have a master's degree. Maybe I'll become a teacher and then I can support myself and then I can make some decisions about how to live artistically. So I became a teacher and I taught for about five years and I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't. I loved connecting with people. I loved seeing people learn. I loved facilitating. 
but I didn't love planning lessons. I hated planning lessons. I didn't love having to use all of my creative energy to imagine how other people are going to receive things and then like create containers around that. It just takes so much from me and it's just not something I, I love. So I was doing that and I started the podcast Fair Folk podcast to get out of it. And I succeeded and I had a running Patreon, which was doing pretty good and was covering my basic cost of living. And then I made contact with my business coach and she suggested, if you want to make more money, why not teach online? Why not create a course about the material that you're creating in your writing? And so I did, and I had massive success with it. And so then I was off and running teaching again, which is, you can see the irony here. And as much as it was a huge opening to me and wonderful revelation that yes, I actually can support myself doing things in the field that I'm really interested in, paganism, folklore, connecting with people and writing. But again, I found that my energy and my life force were being pulled on far too much by this model of teaching, especially online, especially because the energy when you're teaching online is is rather unidirectional. Like you can try with all your might to create community and to create reciprocity, but it just doesn't feed you back in the same way that in-person, non-hierarchical facilitation can do. So just to re- repeat, I do really love facilitation. I do really love building containers for people to come together in. And I'm going to direct that energy now to the pagan monastery into more retreat and conference style gatherings in person. But just for me, I've found through experience that being this one woman show, planning educational material and selling it constantly in unique ways with new marketing every day is just not sustainable for me. And if I were more excited about the actual act of teaching that would probably work for me, but it just doesn't. And there are so many ways to build a business teaching online. And it's a, it's a super valid way of doing things. I just don't want to, (laughs) and I'm not going to do it anymore. So there'll be some changes in my business that I'll be announcing really soon. Ways for you to participate and support and receive the writing that I'm creating as I'm creating it. I'm planning to self-publish this Abundance Paganism book that's coming up. And I just want to make it available to you chapter by chapter as it's happening in a very affordable way. And that way we both get to be a part of it in a way that is super straightforward and simple and just gets the book existing. Like, let's make this thing. (laughs) I've been waiting for so long to just create it. And I'm done getting in my own way and finding other more complicated things for me to do. So since last fall, I've been feeling really strongly that I want to reduce the distractions that keep me from writing. I made a whole membership program around creativity in the autumn, if you remember that. And though it was so good and I found it a super successful teaching container, I still found that I didn't have any energy left for writing. And that was, for me, one of the main motivators for creating that space. So I had a really strong feeling that in May, perhaps I would do an artist residency or something or take a month off. And what has happened in the meantime is I've had this whole revelation about, I don't want to take one month off. I want to take, you know, at least eight, 
just to write and just to pagan monastery. So just to be doing this podcast and building that business and writing the book that informs them both. I feel like this episode has so much in it already, and I want to just give it to you now. Please take it into your heart and ask yourself some of the questions that it naturally presents to you, whatever those are, and they may include, what am I tolerating right now? What would make me feel relief? Is there something I'm not being honest about in my life that would bring me so much more clarity or could? (laughs) Can I have the faith to pause for a minute and just see what my natural inclinations tell me and what the world around me wants to offer? So to summarize this episode a bit, my recent trip to Italy brought me so much information to work with, both professionally and personally. I discovered while I was visiting this historical restoration-based hotel chain, Sextantio, that there are literally 2,000 abandoned villages in Italy. So there is an abundance of possibility in that country as a potential location for a pagan monastery at any time or by anyone and potentially government or UNESCO support for those kinds of projects. I also saw just how possible it is to take a historic property and restore it with respect into a highly inhabitable and beautiful dwelling space. Second, my partner and I decided to leave our apartment and likely Iceland in the middle of the summer. And third, I'm going to stop teaching and coaching online for the next eight to ten months at least. And I'll be back really soon on the podcast and online to let you know how you can take advantage of a big four-day sale on all of my online courses at a discount before I take them all down from my website. And you'll also find out in the next episode how to get into the Abundance Paganism Book Club so you can have immediate access to the book as I'm writing it over the next eight to ten months. That will be one of the only ways that I'm showing up publicly, aside from the podcast on Instagram, my free content. The book club is where you'll be able to actually access the creative material that I'm producing and that I'll be focusing all of my energy on. That's all for today. Thank you for being with me here in this moment of courage and honesty. I'm really looking forward to seeing where things go from here. Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode touched or inspired you, it would mean a great deal to me if you rated and positively reviewed it, and you shared it on social media, email, or regular old snail mail. Your support is invaluable to this project. If you want to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at danica.voice, or you can email the podcast and the Pagan Monastery project directly at paganmonastery at gmail.com. Thank you to Gadus Marqua Ensemble for the opening theme music to the Pagan Monastery podcast. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon.